Ernest Hemingway wrote in the book A Farewell to Arms, the world breaks everyone, and afterward, many are strong in the broken places. But those that will not break, it kills. It kills the very good, and the very gentle, and the very brave, impartially. And if you are none of these, you can be sure it'll kill you too. But there will be no special hurry. There's something poetic about our brokenness. The mess we make of our lives. And the process by which we slowly get back up, brush ourselves off, lick our wounds, and limp forward. We somehow find the strength to pull ourselves away from the scene of the crash. And as we look back, we can see the pain of our past in our rearview mirror. And we stop long enough to contemplate and to ask ourselves a very profound question. Where do we go from here? How do we pick up the pieces? How do we move forward? Our brokenness is part of who we are. It's made us who we are today, and we have a choice. We can either own it and embrace it, or we can run away from it like we're running away from our own shadow. My past may be different than your past. My pain may be different than your pain. But none of us can escape its grasp. Well, good morning, y'all. It's good to be back with you after a pretty long break. I don't think I've even shaved in three months. So I decided to shave, put on a jacket, make myself look all presentable for you people today. Is that all right? Feel a little rusty. But I have to tell you, it's been nice just for the last few months just uh, going to church here at Westridge. It's a nice church you got here. <laughs> it's just nice to sit back, hear the teaching, great pastors. It was awesome, so I uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, today, I'm finishing up a little series called uh, Strong in the Broken Places, and really all month long we've been dealing with kind of emotional healing. And today it's moving forward from our past. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of different kinds of, of failures and hurt and pain from our past that haunt us and hold us back. Uh, some of us have been hurt by somebody else, right? I mean, they did something to us that affected us so deeply that it feels like we just can't get past it. Some of us have made our own bad choices and our own bad decisions in our past, and we're still paying for them. It's the sins of our past, so to speak. And while what we did may have happened many years ago, the effects of our mistakes still linger on and on and on. 
And maybe you've worked real hard to keep whatever that is in your past hidden, and maybe there's this threat of it popping its ugly head back up, and you're scared to death about it. And you have just real regret and guilt about that thing. Others of us have some failures in our past where we have this aching sense of personal, relational failure that we can't let go of. We said something to somebody that we love. We did something that hurt somebody else really, really deeply, and we can't take it back. And maybe it was a long time ago, but it feels like just yesterday. It's fresh because it weighs us down, and it feels like we just can't get past it. Whatever it is for you, we all have stuff that lurk in our past. I have things that I am not proud of that lurk in my background that I would love to forget ever happened, but we can't. And so instead of that, the question is, how do we let go of all that junk from our past? How do we get freed up from all the bones that are hidden there in our closet and move forward? I can tell that I've been listening to way too much Gordon the last few months because I have three points for you (laughs) this morning. It doesn't seem like when Gordon has three points, he like packs in like ten more like under each point or something. The dude just does way too much espresso. Uh, But I have three points um, on how it is that we can move forward from our past, and there is no magical formula, and there is no really easy one, two, three, but these are some principles that if we can embrace them will help us in our healing process. And and the first one is that we just have to accept it, right? We just have to accept what is in our past. And the main way to do that is through forgiveness, and since Gordon gave us about 20 points on forgiveness a couple weeks ago, I'm not going to spend very much time on this, but suffice it to say, acceptance of our past is about forgiving, and it's about forgiveness and being forgiven. King David, from the Old Testament, had a huge moral failure in his life. And after he came to grips with what he had done, he wrote these words and said, My guilt has overwhelmed me. And it has overwhelmed me to the point that it is like a burden that is just too heavy for me to bear. He was struggling to get past his past. And maybe you're in the same place today and you are just overwhelmed with guilt. And and I think the key to understanding how to accept our past lies in this one truth. And that is that our greatest sin, our biggest failure, our worst mistake, are not too big for God's grace. And the harder one to maybe accept is that neither are those of the person who hurt us. I've had a lot of conversations with people really from all different religious backgrounds through the years, and it's something that I hear over and over and over again. 
how just so many people live consumed by guilt. And that guilt does not come from God. Our God is not a God of guilt. The Apostle Paul, who has plenty of junk in his own past, who has plenty of reason to feel guilty, put it this way, and I think this is pretty profound. He said, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation that leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow and guilt bring death. Without God, Paul is saying that I have this lingering sense of regret or guilt from a worldly perspective. Because without God, there is no forgiveness and therefore there is no hope. And so our past then, without God, forces us to tread water in an ocean of regret and guilt because that guilt paralyzes us. It keeps us frozen in time to this one moment in time when I screwed up. Guilt gets us thinking and feeling that I'm never going to get past this failure, so why even try and I stay stuck there in that moment forever? But when we're in God, it's different because in God, there is forgiveness. And because of that, it does bring hope. First John says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and completely wipe out all of our wrongdoings. Did any of you all have an uh, Etch-A-Sketch growing up? Anybody have one of those things? Yeah, pretty cool, right? In uh, Arkansas, they call that an iPad. <laughs> I was, uh, was going to do Tennessee, but there was a bunch of people from Tennessee at first service. Uh, but, I, you know, I was pretty good at it, and uh, I drew a lot of, like, incredible pictures, and so I just brought one of the picture I did when I was about 10 years old with me. <laughs> yeah, right. But uh, what's, uh, what's great about Etch-A-Sketch is that if, if something goes wrong, or you make a mistake, or you don't like that picture, what do you do? Shake it. Right, you shake that thing, right? You shake it, and then all of a sudden, poof, it's gone. Wouldn't it be great if we could do that with our past? The Bible says we can, or rather, God can, erase our past. The passage tells us that if we confess our failures to God, when we choose to repent, which is to mean that we stop living in a way that goes against God and start living in the ways of God, that he wipes away our past forever. The Bible says that as far as the east is from the west, he removes our sin from us. You see, when I feel badly about something that I've done, and that bad feeling causes me to go in a good direction, where I'm actually learning from my mistakes, that's not guilt. It's more accurately called conviction. The conviction that we feel from God's spirit is different than guilt and regret because it causes us to go in a different direction. It produces life change. It causes us to start living 
differently. Because we don't want to go back. So let me ask you, what failures, what mistakes do you feel like are still sitting there on your Etch-A-Sketch? Whatever they are, God promises us that if we bring them before him, he will shake us up and erase all of our past just like that. When we talk about accepting our past, if you just take an inventory of your life, just take a stroll back down memory lane and ask yourself, when in my life did I grow the most? Emotionally, my faith, spiritually, just maturity overall. In what moments did I really grow? Was it during the times when you were coasting along the highway and everything was going great? Probably not. I mean, really, it was probably in your moments of hardship and pain and brokenness because God says that in your moments of weakness, my strength will be revealed. And it's when the hard times hit that God uses that to change us. It's in those moments that we're forced to depend on him and our faith becomes stronger in the broken places. And when it's all said and done, and the smoke clears, God says, now, don't go back. You are a different person because what you have been through has made you different. Don't go back. Remember this moment for the rest of your life. You see, we can accept our past because it's helped to make, to create us, to recreate us into the person that we have now become. We take the good that comes out of it and we move forward and we learn how to live differently. Which brings us to our next point of moving forward out of the past is that when we move forward, we need to create a new reality for our present so that we don't go back to the past. There's a great passage of scriptures in Proverbs that says this, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left, keep your foot from evil. Creating a new reality for our present is a commitment to learn from the past and to move forward differently. I like that passage because what it's really talking about is our need to create boundaries for ourselves so that our past can drive change for our future. When it says that we are to look straight ahead, that we're not to veer to the right or to the left, it's talking about setting boundaries for ourselves so that we can protect ourselves moving forward so that we don't repeat the past, so that we don't make the same mistakes again and again and again, which, by the way, we are all prone to do. Boundaries, in a broad sense, are lines or limits that we draw 
for ourselves that create a border around us. In a physical sense, it would be like if you owned your own home and you wanted to protect your kids, and so you put a fence around your property line. You created borders. You want to keep your kids in that area of protection so that they can feel and you can feel that they are safe. It's the same principle with emotional and behavioral boundaries where we create ourselves boundaries in order to protect me from me. Sometimes other people, but mostly for me. Boundaries help to create the foundation of our personal identity. It dictates what we are and what we are not. What we will endure and what we won't. What we will do and what we won't do. Boundaries, in short, define us and it defines who we are and who we're not. It's the old saying, I've drawn a line in the sand and I'm not going to cross it. That's what we're talking about. You draw a line in the sand and you say, I'm not going there. Many of us have been hurt or have hurt other people in our past because of our lack of boundaries. And so part of our new reality is to create boundaries for ourselves based on what we've learned about ourselves from our own past. So for instance, if our issue is dealing with things like addiction or a bad habit or just plain old making bad decisions and choices that we've made repeatedly, then there needs to be a boundary that dictates some things and say things like, I won't hang out with the people that I used to hang out with that got me into trouble anymore. I won't go to that place that I used to hang out at where I used to get in trouble. I I won't do those things that triggered the demons in my soul to come flying out of me. I won't do those things anymore. All of those things have now become off limits as part of my new reality. I'm constricting, I'm self-constricting myself from those things. A great example of this is with sexual issues. They tend to be the most prominent issues that people deal with in their past, especially men. And if that's the case for you, then there need to be boundaries that dictate how it is that you're going to move forward and says, I'm not going to put myself in that situation again. I'm going to be as far from being able to fall back into that pattern as I possibly can. And so I'm going to set boundaries for myself, and I'm going to say, you know what? I'm not going to have a close relationship or friendship with a person of the opposite sex. Heck, I won't even be alone with somebody in a room who's of the opposite sex. I will prevent myself from looking at other people and thinking that the grass is greener. A lot of people justify it and say, well, there's no harm in window shopping. I've seen a lot of credit card debt get run up on some window shopping. It's saying, I'm not going to go to that website or I'm not going to read that book. It all sounds innocent at first, and we all just kind of justify it by saying that it's all innocent. But when we put ourselves in those positions that start out seemingly innocent, we should know enough about our past that we don't even want to be near that stuff. We want to avoid it altogether. 
Now, not only is there the self-constricting part of boundaries, but what boundaries do then, it increases your quality of life. It causes you to live in the way that God wants you to live, and it causes you to live in this incredible way. Because when you talk about all of those things we just talked about as the sexual boundaries, all those things detract from my relationship with my husband or wife. I mean, can you imagine if you held firmly, strongly to those boundaries, and instead of looking somewhere else to fill your needs— thinking always that the grass is greener or to look somewhere else to uh, fulfill those ideas and fantasies that you put 100% of your sexual desire, 100% of your fantasies, your lust, your need for companionship, for deep conversation, all on your husband and wife? Can you imagine what, what that looks like? And I'm not just talking about men in here, Miss... Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> Miss Brad Pitt Obsession. It takes two to tango, doesn't it? And can you imagine what would happen if we as a husband and wife would come together and agree to boundaries, agree to set rules that says no more, and that 100% of my desire now is focused on my husband or my wife, all of a sudden you realize the grass is way greener in your own bedroom than it is somewhere else. And the quality of life that you have all of a sudden goes up exponentially. Boundaries are also important for those people who have been hurt by somebody else in our past. Moving forward, it says, I'm going to set a boundary that says I won't allow myself to be manipulated or guilted by somebody who has hurt me in my past. It's setting a boundary that says, I'm not going to do something that I don't feel comfortable with for them anymore. I will create a boundary that dictates that I will no longer enable bad behavior and cover it up for them. I I will protect myself from people who I have a gut feeling about. I have a bad feeling about. Trust your gut. I will no longer put myself in a position to be taken advantage of by people I really don't trust. We set limits on ourselves. Listen to this. We set limits on ourselves to make it easy for us to make better choices so that when the heat of the moment hits, because when the heat of the moment hits, it's too late. It's so tough to make wise choices when we're in it. So why can't we avoid it? This is all about living proactively and taking your life back, not putting yourself in that position any longer so that you, don't, so that you can be proactive about it and you don't have to react to the situations any longer. Creating boundaries define who you are and who you're not. And it will free you up to move forward from the past with confidence, knowing this will not happen again. I'm drawing a line in the sand and I say no more. Which brings us to our third point. And that is, as a result of that, we can move forward with confidence and power. I love what Paul, the Apostle Paul, said to the church in Philippi in the book of Philippians. He said, but one thing I do. And then he says two things, which I think is kind of funny, which is maybe where Gordon got the ten things. And the whole thing. 
But he says, I, I focus in on this one thing. I forget the past, and I strain toward the future. Forget the past, and I strain toward the future. In other words, keep moving forward. I think it's funny when you think about it that God even created our bodies as a physical reminder of our need to continue to move forward. I mean, when you think about it, you just look in the mirror. You know, which side of your head did God put your eyeballs? Front or back? Front, right? So that you can keep looking forward. Which side of your head did he have your ears pointing toward? Forward or back? Forward, right? So you can continue to hear God's promises for your future, and you don't have to listen to people talking behind your back that hold you down. What about your arms? The way he orchestrated them on our bodies, it's so that we can keep reaching forward. Our feet on our ankles are pointing forward so that we can keep moving forward. It's really quite simple, and there's only, best I can figure, one part of our anatomy that he put on our backside. And maybe even God saying, hey, this is some stuff you got to let go of. <laughs> the, the question is not whether or not you're going to make mistakes because you will. We all do. It's how are you going to move forward? How are you going to keep pressing on? Can we forget what is behind, learn from those mistakes, and keep moving forward? The question is, how will you respond? That's the difference between someone who follows God and someone who doesn't. It's not how bad you'll blow it, because we both will. It's what direction are my feet pointed when I hit the ground. When we go through tough times, when we go through hard times, when we go through times of pain, you have a choice. You can either stay stuck and bitter, or you can move forward and get better. And it's a choice we make. I am convinced that this life is made up of 10% of what happens to us and the 90% of our lives is how we respond to that 10% and how we go on living the rest of our lives. We need to stop blaming everybody else for our past, stop playing the eternal victim, and start living proactively, living the life that God has in store for us. Look, Dealing with the past is absolutely draining. And you don't want to go back there. It can absolutely wear you down and make you tired. Don't let what's happened to you in the past hold you back from what God has for you in the future. Part of it lies in you just forgiving yourself for what's happened. If you can just accept your past as being part of what has made you what you are today, no matter how ugly, the Bible says that from the ashes, from the ugliness of the ash, God will create something beautiful from that. Keep on believing what's possible and create a new reality for yourself so you don't go back. Never, ever go back but you keep moving forward. You keep your eyes focused forward and your feet firmly planted on that narrow dirt path 
that leads to Jesus. And if you do that, I promise you, you will finish this life well.